Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Andy Wood. I'm Jesse Case. I'm Matt Kirshen. I, I, I forgot that I'd muted myself, so that's why there was a little pause there. But I'm Matt Kirshen. There, nope. there we go. We, no we've problem. done it. We've, we've um, done it, and we've got a guess. Talking about mix-ups, yeah. Uh, we were talking just now about how we mistakenly booked the wrong Ryan Connor. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we booked comedian and good friend of ours and now author Ryan Connor. Uh, but thinking that we were getting porn star Ryan Connor, Ugh. who is a lovely lady who lives in Las Vegas, we've just found out. Uh, pleasure um, to be here. We all we all worked with her on ridiculousness, and uh, mm-hmm. we wish yeah. that uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but come to find out in our in our conversations with this accidental Ryan that we booked that we all know. C O M E. Yes. 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 It's uh, uh, we're not the only ones getting mix-ups. So you've you've gotten you were you were telling us before you've gotten emails for this porn. Oh, so many. Oh, and let me tell you this one. Uh, after I I had an appearance on uh Last Comic Standing, and then someone said posted on Twitter they accidentally tagged her. Hey, saw you in Last Comic Standing last night, and then some compliments. She wrote back, thank you so much. I didn't even know I was on. So, wow. (laughs) I don't know what's happening with her brain. Um, uh, But yeah, I I get contacted all the time just because my email is ryanconnor at a very common domain. And at milfmayhem.com. At milfmayhem. <laughs> milfmayhem yeah. 18. Yeah. yeah, it was a weird one for you to pick, but sure. You didn't know. You didn't know. <laughs> uh, so uh, several years ago, still my favorite one, I, I got uh, an email that said, hey, I would love to uh, um, shoot something with you someday. Uh, is it okay if I send over a script? I, I, I don't know that they're not. You know, I think they're probably not reaching out to me, but... I don't want to just assume that someone doesn't want to shoot something with me in it. So I said, sure, sure send the script. Yeah. And uh, the script, uh, it was three pages, um, <laughs> very sexual, and it was called Script. And uh, it, it had nothing to do with me. It was definitely for the porn star. Uh, but it, it, was, it was this weird, like, you know, what's hot for teacher? Is that what the, the trope is called? Uh, I suppose sure, sure. something like something like that. It basically it was a scenario where I would be her and he would uh, be the student and fuck me. Okay. And I, I, I <laughs> okay. Now we can figure out when this was because I sent notes back. I told him that the uh, the school thing was just sort of an overdone trope and to uh, set the same story around the Brexit debate. And I think we've got something. <laughs> <laughs> Did yeah. you also suggest that, like, hey, uh, if there's a, an, I can think of a good actor with comedy chops. If you have like an extra <laughs> role in there, for- <laughs> oh man, if I, if I can um, go back in time, man. Well, let, let's also b- before we get into the show, you're returning friend of the show, by right, the way, Ryan's right. been on the show before. It's been a but, few years, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But last night I was at your comedy show in Glendale, which oh, at Water, which was a lot of fun fun audience but it was also the launch party for your new book you've got yes, sir. You, you got a sneakily written a whole 
I, I, it does annoy me because I thought the agreement was that during the whole lockdown thing, we'd all pretend to be getting away with projects, but yeah. actually emerge with nothing. Yep. And you've you've got a novel, so. And, what the and fuck? I learned French and German and baking. No. Um, <laughs> That was one of the, did anyone learn a, I remember everyone said they were going to learn a language or like become an expert baker. I I don't think anyone really pulled that. I mean, every, it was the sort of brief sourdough craze and then all the shops ran out of yeast. Although you don't need yeast for sourdough, do you? I guess you just. You don't. You need belly button lint. Shows, yeah. Shows exactly how much I know about this, but. I, I did learn to do Rubik's Cube, but that was an afternoon. So, but that is like one skill that I gained in the last three years of getting something to point to. An afternoon? And, that's, and, that's all anybody would need if you actually spent a whole afternoon on YouTube. That's all it takes. It's not really that hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a pat, like uh, deciphering a pattern or something. Yeah, there's a 10 minute YouTube it. video and you just keep watching it over and over again. And yeah. Did, did you yeah, learn the sort of like the sort of the slowish algorithm though where you you know you're guaranteed to solve it but it'll take you a minute or so or did you learn the sort of super fast algorithms where you can do it in you can look at it and then do it in like seven moves the 10 minute video i think if you perfect that you're gonna like top out at like two minutes or so and then so i just went one level beyond to do what they call f2l like first two layers and so I have, I'm not sure, I think I've gotten just under a minute, but my average is like a minute to a minute and a half. I'm okay. Still, I'm so, still going for the record wow. of the slowest solve. So far, it's been uh, it's like 27 years or so. Nice. Uh, with virtually oh, no progress. Yeah. I did. And I don't mean to sidetrack, we'll get back to Brian's more important accomplishment, but I did leave my Airbnb, my Rubik's Cube out for, you know, Airbnb guests. Um, just like, here's some board games, here's a Rubik's Cube. I came back and then I was solving it the other day, like, half paying attention to it thinking like it just kind of goes quickly and then like it just wasn't happening and then i started like really analyze i'm like what these fuckers took it apart and put it back together and it is unsolvable now wow <laughs> wow but it took so me they way tried too to long cheat, to realize but that badly or they were just fucking with me i don't care the thing costs or they just bucks. broke it and, yeah right, right. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just funny because it took me way too long to figure that out i'm like what this is this always works what's happening <laughs> anyhow Ryan did a real thing. Yeah. Okay, so well, wait. Yeah. Go ahead, Matt. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I guess I hadn't really thought about the fact that there are not all combinations of the Rubik's Cube are possible. Like, not all combinations of colors and shape. You mean, like, there's a way you could put it together that makes it, un- you didn't realize there is a yes, way to do that? Yes, I, I didn't realize that, but like, that makes sense. Hmm. But yeah, yeah. Or I've just forgotten how to do it. I, I, hope <laughs> I, I don't think it's that, but. You good at Jenga, too? Uh, is anybody really good at Jenga? Yeah, yeah I watched a 10-minute YouTube video on how yeah. to solve it. I'd, I'd argue Osama bin Laden, probably still the champ. Um, I, um, well, needed to delete that. Um, so let's, uh, let's, let's talk about this, uh, let's talk about this a little, you did some literature? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I actually wrote the first draft, I believe it was 2017, sometime in the spring. Uh, I wrote it longhand. So this is kind of the MILF Mayhem 6 era. Yes, exactly. I, okay. I, I, the ass was healing, and <laughs> they, asked, they asked that I lay on my stomach during that time. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to prop myself up with a quill and, uh, you know, some, uh, some vellum. And, <laughs> And, and, uh, yeah, I, I wrote it over the course of a month, just like I was writing from about six to 8 AM. And then I would write from about, uh, maybe 6 PM till midnight or something like that. Wow. Every day Amazing. for a month. 
And yeah, when when I started, I really just had the broader ideas. And well, actually, I had the broader ideas, and then I did I researched uh, for uh, about. I don't know. Over the course of about a year, I read maybe 50, 60 books to, uh, just on autocracies and revolutions and stuff. Um, yeah. Well, we should talk sure. really quick about what the book is, what it's called and such. And it's, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I yeah. didn't mean to step on toes. It's, I just, it's uh, a coloring book. And, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. It's like if you're a revolutionary color book, take back the... Uh, no, I mean, it's... You, you, you only like need a red, red crayon. That's it. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so it, it it's a it's a political satire. Um, it it takes place in the wake of a, a failed uh, coup, um, and it's told from the perspective of two people who led this coup as they sit on death row. Wow! And and so their 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 stories are kind of weaving together, sometimes um, in harmony, sometimes contradictory, and. Um, you know, you're trying to untangle their motives as it goes on. Are they trying to save their lives, or what? What, what are they actually hoping for here? But it, it's it's uh, the 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 form of um, of authoritarianism is it's, it's uh, basically you know it, the way we've gone the last forty years of not enforcing antitrust laws, and uh, major corporations have more and more and more power. And so the idea is that there are 10 uh, just major monopolies that control every aspect of everything and um, have uh, sort of unwound our system of government and installed this regime, uh, the party, to protect their interests. And, um, you know, it's it's become... So it sounds like just completely fictional, like no parallels, (laughs) like kind of a... Yeah, like kind yeah, of a yeah. fantastical. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's sort of a just Wizard no, of Oz type thing. That's cool. Yeah, there's no uh, way it could possibly <laughs> happen. Um, yeah, so 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 that that that's the concept, it, it, you know. And the book's called with, the Party as well. I don't know if we it, actually said that. Yes, yes, it's called the Party, and then it's just sort of that idea, along with the fact that you know, as one side becomes radicalized, so does the other. That's just the way it always right. works, and uh, you know. It, it, there's always a pendulum swing and it just just you know it just feels like we're getting crazier and crazier and you know horseshoeing and uh so that yeah that was the the sort of the jumping off point and i really only had the beginning the end and a couple other um uh pieces of it when i started and i would just try to get maybe two days ahead in my thinking every day and then ended up having a draft what um so when you talk about this research you did, who were you reading? What were you? Because I've oh, like, dude. like I mean I you know I read all the art and all that shit you know yeah, like yeah. I'm all into it, but um, the sort of fascism authoritarianism sort of thing you're talking about, I think was so uh, it was pretty underpredicted by a lot of the mm-hmm. World War II scholars. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like they yeah. uh, they they're just like they had such a militaristic view of this, how this happens, how this unfolds instead of like a capitalism view. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, yeah. so how'd you sort of, who are there? I'm not saying recommend another book, but also I am saying recommend another. I'm, I, I can't wait to read the party, yeah, um, but I haven't read much about the monopolization of. Well, well, I, uh, 
there there are many from this position, but it, okay. but the whole thing is like once you have once you have the power, it kind of doesn't matter. I don't think like what the underlying um, sort of credo is. Um, but yeah, I mean, Hannah Arendt is sort of I I, I guess you would say that that's sort of the backbone uh, of everything. It was the origins, you know, of totalitarianism. Um, I and then I read I read a lot on the the Russian Revolution, uh, French Revolution, just on that side of things. Um, in terms of Russia, I mean, and uh, Applebaum. Uh, her yeah, books. Yeah. Um, oh man, oh, uh, Gulag. And oh, I cannot remember the other, um, but it's it, you know it's 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 about the the Bolshevik Revolution. What's that? Was it uh, nothing is real? Everything's amazing and nothing is real, or what? It's not yeah. Timothy Snyder. It's a similar. Yes. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm yes. talking about. <laughs> and nobody is happy. No, no, no. That's Louis C.K. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> everything's amazing can, and planes are flying and. and and nobody's happy. I I cannot remember, but I'll tell you the the two books that helped me the most in thinking of the through the psychology of the um, sort of the layperson um, in these scenarios were uh, they thought they were free, uh, which is by someone Mayer. Uh, I cannot remember the first name. But it is, um, it's sort. It's I guess it's not epistolary. I'm not sure. Uh, but it's ten uh, people Milton, and one t- Milton. Milton. It, it, it's it, what was that? No, I was saying Milton Mayer. Milton Mayer. There it is. Yeah. Yes. So it, it. I cannot remember what town it's in, but they talk to ten people um, and get their accounts of life. In their town, beginning on Kristallnacht, up until um, I believe it's a f- f- ten years after uh, liberation of Germany, something like that. And the chapters are divided by each person's perspective, and it's done chronologically. And you're just seeing how people were lulled into this, and how people went along with it. And of the ten people, <laughs> you had two people who were radically opposed to um, to Nazism and um, really, really sort of sounding the alarms. You had two of the 10 who were fervent Nazis and you had six of the 10 who were a mix of being in denial and thinking, oh, nationalism's good. They won't really do that thing. And saying things like, oh, Jews are just being relocated to the Sudetenland, which... I genuinely don't believe anyone believed um, or, you know, I can't say no one believed it, right, but right. I think few people did. And then another book called Battalion 101, um, who I cannot remember the author of Battalion 101, um, but it was about how ordinary people were recruited um, and they would just just wrap up a whole town of uh of german men and who who didn't necessarily have any ideology and day one they'd say okay uh shoot this person (laughs) and some people would do it and as soon as they would pull their first trigger they've got them 
and right. they will do anything that's that's wanted of them. Uh, some would take a little bit more coercion. Some would say absolutely not. And they would say, well, would you take an office job working for the Nazis? And they go, I'll do an office job. Uh, And then there were the occasional people who would say, absolutely not, nothing, no matter what. And then, you know, they end up in Dachau or even executed. Um, And it's it's just amazing to to read these accounts where they're actually talking. um, Yeah. To to these people. And you and you. I mean, so many people are like, well, no, I couldn't do this. My my best friends, my neighbors, you know, these are human beings. I couldn't do this. And then, you know, a week later, they're, they're um, right. They've just become monsters. You seen uh, Shoah? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like eight it's, hours long, but it's all on YouTube and very depressing. But yeah, my I won't say favorite parts because it's weird to say favorite, <laughs> but um, just the townspeople and like the especially like the people that relocated, like when they started settling parts of Poland and stuff that were, oh my God, you know, and the, the sort of they're being interviewed, but also lying to themselves. It's like mm-hmm. fascinating. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the woman who's the, the wife, old, the old lady. Yeah, dude. Yeah. 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 But like pure evil also. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's fascinating. So some of them have that denialism, right? And then some of them are like and, and you saw this more from some Polish citizens who would just be like, Yeah, we got their homes, you know, and and it's just like, Man, you know this is on camera, right? Right. Right. And then I believe in the first part, they actually have the uh interview with a former SS officer. Uh-huh. And he I, I believe he's the one who is like sort of ashamed, but he's also on the run and, but not really denying things. I, I, now I'm kind of, I'm can't remember if he's the one who has that position. There's one person that shows like a little bit of remorse, but it's still not real remorse. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, yeah. Well, uh, this I mean it ties into yeah. my it, it 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 ties into my theories about coming up with the weird porn and <laughs> and it ties into you getting confused a lot. I've often theorized that losing World War II and coming up with really weird porn are directly related. And if you look at if, if you look at Japan and you look at Germany and I, I think that I I I think I'm serious. Yeah, and I I it's think that hard to it's hard to argue. And I think that even me, like I live in the American South and that's where all the like incest stuff, you know, those stereotypes, but it's like, it's the only part of America that lost the civil war. And it's like, what do you have left? Like you, like your whole evil empire was busted and exposed. And you're like, I, you know, all right, you guys want to, you know, uh, you guys wanna- <laughs> Oh my God, this is amazing. I was like, Oh my God, that's so funny, man. I mean, what, I, I does think Italy have any weird porn? Right, that's the like, one dude, outlier. Lasagna? Right? Let me no. Let me tell you something. If you Google Italian porn, your computer lights on fire. It's <laughs> you can't even. That's how weird. I I I think the Soviets switch sides because they realize they don't have the infrastructure to support porn that weird. I think Stalin is like we can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like our porn normal. We're just going to have to join yeah. England and the <laughs> We have to we, there's no way. We don't even we don't even produce that much leather every year. We can't lose this war. In the name of respectful porn. <laughs> 
you know, we're get we're having to go against all our principles here, but in the name of respectful <laughs> we, porn. We really wanted to see this one through, but we can't. We just can't. <laughs> what is uh, Russian uh, Russian porn is like barely legal, but B E A R? Oh, you, so uh, speaking of uh, Russia, and uh, this is, it's like not no, so I meant to lose weight this year, um, but didn't, you know, uh-huh. I just like never did. Um, so my phone is just full of before pictures, uh-huh. like, like angry looking shirtless before pictures where I'm not smiling, you know, um, and, but then I saw this article about Russian Tinder. And it's the very same. Like, that's what my phone looks like. It's just like bad bathroom lighting, angry looking, you know. Um, that's that's what's happening on my phone. It's like Russian grinder, but it's all me. <laughs> that's apparently, you know, where like you, you have like a rug on your wall for insulation. I don't know. Uh, sure. Have you seen the Russian haircut, by the way, that's uh, I assume is huge on Russian uh, tender and grinder where it's shaved, but you have bangs. I just googled Russian haircut and now I know what it is. Shaved, is that, shaved head with bangs. Is, is that like a sort of? It's also like a sort of Chelsea fringe, isn't it? That's like sort of. Is it eighties? Yeah, like eighties skin head kind of cut. Oh man, very weird. Um, very weird. Well, how'd you get interested in all that stuff, there, Ryan? That's fascinating. I just thought you were just some uh, yeah. fellow dick joke chucker like ourselves. <laughs> how'd you? Well, also, uh, by the way, it is worth saying that, like, I, I mean. It is worth saying that the book is funny. Like I know we got deep into some oh, yeah. authoritarianship, but um, yeah, it's a comedy. Uh, or at least, the, yeah, at least the first ten pages <laughs> are, which throw, is just how throw far that I in at the end. It's um, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, the book is a comedy. That's the uh, that's the uh, sort of the catch. Um, how did I get interested? It, well, you know, I think it, it's just sort of been uh, my family's just been really into politics. Uh, you know, ever since I was a kid, like my mom would take me to the voting booth with her when I was little because she just wanted me to, you know, just instill how important that was. Someone was born after 1920. We talk about politics uh, every night at dinner and then the, the growing interest in... Um, authoritarian regimes it's i'm trying to think of what the exact trigger was um because i was more interested in public policy um for most of my life um and then you know also the history of wars just like i mean i guess any american man for the most part (laughs) is is into world war ii you know um and then uh yeah it's it's hard to say when I when I start really reading about uh, authoritarianism. It it, it might have been uh, my ex wife uh, whose family you know fled the pogroms um, in Russia in the what nineteen oh five ish. It might be around then. I know that's the first time I saw Shoah. Um, um, and it could, I, it, it might also just be from uh, like reading, uh, uh, like uh, reading the Atlantic, which I, I've been reading that for about twenty years, and so many writers will will reference things, and maybe I just kind of cross reference and started reading other things, but it's hard to say the exact jump off point. Yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah, I I too have a bookshelf just full of bummers. 
<laughs> yeah, just full of just just the most bummer shit ever, man. Um, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Very cool. Let me ask you something. Do you do you organize your bookcases alphabetically or is there a woman in your life who decides to just put them in some random order? Uh, it's an interesting question. Mine are mine are like split by genre. Uh-huh. Um, but then no, not alphabetical within the I don't let anyone else organize the books, you know, but not like not alphabetical. It's like I've got like my sort of um like hauling see hauling like kids books you know i've got mm-hmm. that going um i have a lot of then there's like the politics sort of section then there's the weird sort of fictiony stuff mm-hmm. um a lot of holdovers from like the high school sort of william s burroughs beatnik phase a lot mm-hmm. of that left you know and it's sort of split up like that but then within within that no i don't have any um but it's the only thing i've still sort of hoard i don't know why yeah yeah, I, I do a purge uh, every couple of years, but then it, it, it just builds back up. Well, Matt and Andy, do you, uh, how, how are yours uh, categorized? Well, they're, they're, they're not categorized in the slightest. My uh, our bookshelves slightest. are a mess. But also, we I think it was already a mess, but then we amalgamated two bookshelves, so it just is a, it's a disaster now. Yeah, and yeah. we moved in together, so... And I'm just ashamed of how much of a non-reader I've become in the last five, ten years. So, mm. uh, yeah, I mean, it's mostly books whose authors we've interviewed in the podcast. Sure. And uh, I need to get back into fiction. I don't know how to. I guess I'll start with Ryan Connor's The Party. But um, hey, there you ooh. go. It's just so hard for me to Thank get on the fiction train again. Even though as a kid I would I read a ton. Um, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. normal, right? I mean, you get off the fiction train. Like I think that's normal. Yeah, but yeah, I think, I think a lot of people do to switch back fiction. and forth. Yeah. If it's nonfiction, it's going to be the bleak shit. Like, I'm probably not going to be finding, like, the most uplifting. I'm certainly not going to... Like, I do enjoy very much the podcast Matt recommended, which is If Books Could Kill, that um, that tears down your sort of airport bestsellers, like your Freakonomics is, and that kind of stuff. Right. Did and, I recommend it to you? I thought it was the other way around. I thought you told me about no, it. No, you but... told me about it. But, okay. but their, their theory, as you listen, like uh, they start to build up this u- grand unifying theory. There, there is just one book when it comes to those books. When, when it comes mm-hmm. to anything sort of self-helpy, uh, it is all one book. And and mm-hmm. I, I feel like if you could go down that rabbit hole, but you're never going to actually get better at living your life. You're just going to like keep reaffirming what you already know, which is like... You know, get, get off right. your ass. Go do go do the work you got to do. And um, I've had to ask know. someone where the self help section is. It's like already <laughs> like not crushing it. <laughs> Just like out of the gate, not doing well at it. Um, um, before we move on to stories, there there, there is an there. I think we've had a few emails, but there's one I want to. There's a follow up from listener AJ Moore about your your spats uh, categorization. So Jesse, okay. just to fill fill you in, Ryan has a. Uh, um, was it a counterpart to the EGOT? Yeah, sure. For, for actors? Um, sure. Do, you get a spats if you have played a character that has flown on a, uh, what is it, a spaceship? A yeah, plane. it's an acronym. So uh, so you <laughs> you as an actor have to have been on a spaceship, right? A plane, um, an automobile, a train, and a ship, like a sailing vessel. Yeah. Oh, I love and, uh, That's a spats. AJ Moore... AJ Moore has written in to point out that um, Harrison Ford, get uh, who he claims is the Spats all-time champ, get almost gets a double Spats just as Indiana Jones, 
just wow. as one of his characters, he is almost double spatsed. Um, Has Indiana the, been to space? Apparently, the whole throne room, room at the end of the Crystal Skull is a spaceship. I have not seen Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. I'm gonna have to okay. take his. I'm gonna have to take his um, word for it. And then well, plane. We know he's been on a plane. Uh, of course. More than once, he's been on a plane. He's been on blimps, uh, that guy. I mean, he's, he's been on multiple planes. Yep. So he's been on multiple aircraft, um, automobile, plenty, and then also a bonus horse. He's been on uh, train in the Last <laughs> Crusade and the Dial of and the Dial of Destiny. Right. And and the ship uh, Katanga ship gets boarded by the Nazis in the third act of Raiders and the Venice boat chase in Last Crusade. So there we go. Yep. He's almost double spatsed. He just has a he's one spaceship away from a double spatsing. Fair. Wow. Just, fair. As in, just as Indiana Jones. F- uh, yeah. Fair play, AJ Moore. Excellent. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Who else is spatsed? So many people. And I thought Seagal, but I just looked up. He's never been on a spaceship. Seagal's never never spaced? No, um, I, I'm not seeing it at least. Uh, let me think. John Travolta. Um, John Travolta. Oh, uh, just spitballing here. Based Will on- Smith. Mm-hmm. What about just based on gravity and a perfect storm? I'm going to guess Clooney has finished out the rest of them. No? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, oh, Clooney's, okay. Clooney's an easy spat. Or did you already say that in the last episode? I don't remember which um, you said. Yeah, I think we discussed that, but we got... Oh, uh, sorry. Okay. Yeah, Sandra Bullock is a spats. Um, Keanu Reeves is probably a spats. Has he been to space? Ooh. Uh, do you count the, sp- the traveling in the telephone booth... Yeah, or, or like the the place they go to in Bill and Ted is that like is, is that floating spacey in the fu- like the future? I don't know. What about let's see, let's see. I just Google uh, the day the Earth stood still. Is there that, you go. That looks spacey. No, yeah, he was he go to space. He was one of the. He was an alien in that, wasn't he? He was um in the. He, so he descended from space. He did. He definitely descended from space. Now, it gets weird, right? Because you have people that briefly travel to space as captors or they're abducted. Perhaps they're not piloting the vessel. But you have people like uh, Pierce Brosnan in Mars Attacks, where just his head went to space. But also, <laughs> like, he was 007, which would give him the rest of the spats, surely. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but then, like, Sarah Jessica Parker, is she a candidate? Of course, you know? Yep. But he wasn't 007 for Moonraker, so he doesn't get space from that. No, no, he gets uh, Pierce Brosnan's space is Mars Attacks, right? But he get you know he gets the he gets the coveted S, the hardest one to get. So it's yeah, you know, it gets tricky, man. But um, yeah, good call on Harrison Ford almost double spatting from Indiana. I didn't realize there was space <laughs> in. Yeah, wow. Okay. All yeah, right. Very good. Oh. Keep them coming, people. <laughs> one more, one more mailbag item. Uh, listener Rob Crissel has decided he's going to use AI to clone our voices, and the way he's emailing us, it sounds like he's like thinking we're going to be mad about it, and is like doing it in spite of that. But I don't think he realizes that. At least my narcissism is such that like I'm like I want to hear what you got. So this is I'm I, I'm 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 a little less sure of the whole thing, but you seem uh, pretty comfortable. Well, I mean, like, what's uh, what's the downside? Also, this is like something anybody can do. So, like, I, I just want to hear what. I was more hoping that he was going to use AI to generate the content, but I think he's writing the content and just using the AI for the voice stuff. Oh, we don't get but, to quit the show. I know, right? But here's the sample of just the audio. This is again, this is not these are not words we've ever spoken. Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Andy Wood. I am Matt Kirshen. I'm Brooks Whelan, and I'm Jesse Case. Uh, this is a very special episode we are calling The Lost Episode. AI, the world is ending. Uh, wow. Whoa. 
Wowzers. <laughs> I mean, to me, I know you guys are less, it's not that I'm bullish on this. I'm just also like, I don't think there's anything to be gained from like avoiding knowledge or discussion of it because it's coming and it should, it's better not to be blindsided. So I don't know. I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, it is all inevitable and all that. It's just, uh, you know, they could make us say anything. Yeah, that's true. The biggest bummer... I don't don't like that. What I wasn't expecting post-October 7th is it doesn't matter that the AI video stuff is not quite there yet. What matters is now that there's a perception that it is. So everything is already in doubt, even if it's real, because people can now say, that's fake. I'm like, oh, I forgot. It doesn't have to be there. The perception that it's there is what's important. And then that's when there's epistemological breakdown and that's when the world falls apart. So Yeah, like mi- misinformation is not to make mm-hmm. you believe other information. It's to believe yeah. nothing. It's just like mm-hmm. sp- uh, fill the zo- uh, what is it splatter the zone with shit in the words of um is it Carl Rove or Steve ba- Steve Bannon? Steve Bannon, yeah. Yeah, flood, uh, flood, flood the zone. The zone. Shit. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. it's to give yeah. up, just give up. And yep. then Huh. I think that was he was just talking about an airport bathroom, but um, but it is applicable <laughs> to <laughs> Or is it like a laser tag center called The Zone and he's just going? (laughs) Anyhow, yeah, I know you guys don't like that as much, but I'm like, uh, it sort of seemed combative the email. And I was like, I don't don't care if you do this because certainly anybody's free to do whatever they want. Like, I guess if you started to profit from it, then, but uh, we don't even profit from it. So what are you guys going to do with this? (laughs) Yeah. Ruin what career? Uh, Exactly. Exactly. Um, (laughs) Wow. Very interesting. Well, all right. Finally, gonna, Matt will finally propose his love to me. I can make him say it. <laughs> it's finally going to happen. Uh, you know, you could just you could, you could have just asked me the question, but um, <laughs> you know. Um, so, what do we got on the docket here, fellas? Yeah. Well, we got a bunch of cool stories sent in. Well, we are talking about space. Neil Aberdeen, which is a great name. Uh, there is a story about um, Elon Musk's SpaceX rockets are punching holes in the edge of space, according to this Independent article. Um, Independent is a newspaper I liked when it was a print newspaper, but their website is abysmal. Mm. Uh, not story-wise, but just it's I I don't know how a newspaper can do such a bad job of programming a website that <coughs> just like I'm gonna have to spend a little a small amount of time on this story because my computer will start to overheat within a minute of having this page open. Oh, but, just too um, much too much flying at you. It's, yeah, it's just, it is. It's like I don't know what I don't know what they did, but it's just like. It's it's kind of like just this memory hole crossed with like a late nineties GeoCities page, right. uh, or early two thousand, whenever GeoCities was, because it's just got yeah, it's got pop ups, it's got like all this shit all over it. Good lord, um, yeah, this is but garbage. temporary holes in the Earth's upper atmosphere. You're talking again about the website rather than the yeah, it's it's yes, fucking unusable. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, unusable yeah. on the phone as well. What is it trying to load that I, um, I don't need any of this loaded? What the fuck? Stop loading these things. Close. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know, and I've got like a bunch of like ad blockers and stuff blockers oh, on my computer same. as well. And even with yeah. that, it's still yeah nightmare. Uh, these holes are made by SpaceX rockets, which are creating bright red aurora-like formations in the sky and maybe signs of unrecognized problems, according to scientists. So while red light has been seen during previous rocket launches, a new aurora-like phenomenon spotted in the night sky could potentially cause unknown problems for astronomy and communication. Uh, scientists say the impact. F- of the formations through SpaceX launches is being evaluated. Uh, so these auroras, unlike the streaks in the sky from previous launches, are red, roughly spherical, and visible to the naked eye for as much as 10 minutes at a time, according to spaceweather.com, which 
it's not a website I knew existed. Is it just is is the weather in space not always pretty much the same? Uh, but um, they they are not exactly auroras, but bright red balls caused by SpaceX rockets burning their engines in the ionosphere. Uh, according to scientists, we are seeing two to five of them every month, says Stephen Himmel from the McDonald's Observatory in Texas. Unlike the is is that like the follow one from McDonald's University? Is that hamburger <laughs> hamburger university <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um but uh unlike the previously observed red streaks from rocket launches the, these auroras are caused by the rockets or their stages coming down oh because it's um because spacex is la- landing the rockets gotcha uh mm. in the case of an example mm. spotted in november Dr. Hummel said a red ball was caused by the second stage of the Falcon 9 rocket burning its engines in order to deorbit and return to Earth, creating an ionospheric hole as it descended. Uh, we, we first noticed these uh, SpaceX deorbit burns over the McDonald's Observatory in February of this year, said physicist it's just the Jeff McDonald's Observatory. It's not the McDonald's Observatory. <laughs> it's just the McDonald's. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that makes, a, that makes a big difference. Right. Is that, that's right. the one that's filled with like plastic balls? Yeah, it's, 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 you learn is, every yeah. new planet they throw another ball in the pit. Yeah. Every planet <laughs> they, they discover, <laughs> it's getting out of hand in there. Um, during the rocket's descent, scientists say it burns nearly 180 kilograms of exhaust gases, mostly water and CO2, near the edge of the ionosphere, where a significant hole could have been made. Scientists are concerned that as SpaceX plans more launches in the future, the frequency of these red glows in the sky could increase, likely interfering with astronomical observations. Sure, uh, red yeah. glowing sky. Bright, uh, sure, you know. It, yeah, with our- long term interference or just like That's for that saying. minute. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, I don't know. And also, are there any problems beyond just this sort of interference with astronomy? Um. So earlier studies have shown that an increasing number of rocket launches across the world are punching holes in the Earth's ionosphere, which is this layer of the Earth's upper atmosphere consisting of a sea of electrical charge, electrically charged particles, and they're floating at somewhere between 80 and 650 kilometers above the surface. So uh, rockets and their exhaust flames tend to alter the process by which charged particles form in this dynamic layer around Earth, which makes radio communications on Earth possible. Is that because it bounces off the ionosphere? I think it is. Or it gets yeah, curled, I think curved by it. some, hmm. like maybe AM but not FM or vice versa can be reflected. Uh-huh. I think maybe AM, that's why it has a longer range because it can be bounced off of certain layers of the atmosphere. Um, and the water and carbon dioxide sprayed out by these fast-moving rockets towards the edge of space can decrease the process by which this layer forms by over two-thirds, according to studies. Holes popped in the ionosphere can also excite gas molecules in its upper layer and trigger streaks of bright aurora-like red light. Uh, Such holes are identified by their characteristic red color due to oxygen ions in the ionosphere reacting with electrons from the rocket exhaust. For example, a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket launch in July carrying Starlink satellites popped a hole above Arizona that made the sky briefly appear red. And then in September... U.S. Space Force uh, rocket launch caused an ionospheric hole above California, causing the sky to glow with a faint red hue. Uh, what's th- what's the saying? Red skies at night, Elon Dick Rider's delight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is so. This website is so British, man. Uh, d- down in the comments, one of the comments: "What on God's earth are these scientists banging on about?" Reminds of the lyrics from a Coldplay tune and a banging tune at that. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it ends with jog on. 
What? <laughs> <laughs> Go down to the comments. What is Just jog on. Uh, be on your be on your way. Get in your bike. Uh. I can't get the comments to load. This site is just so. Uh, yeah, where did you where did you get this? Oh, two comments. Okay, yeah, yeah, there we go. <clears throat> yeah, very British. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> reminds me of the lyrics of a Coldplay tune. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, speaking of accents, I just had the most embarrassing. Uh, a friend of the show, Jack Robichaud. I thought he's, has he been on before? I forgot. I don't know. Uh, I we've think had so, Jack. But... Jack came to the house one time for an episode with someone else. He was uh, this, so this would have been years and years ago. Okay. Well, he came out to uh, shoot a short, and I ended up helping out. Uh, like they shot some in my yard and stuff. Um, and one of the guys working with him is a friend from from college. He went to school out in Boston, and uh, like he was just starting to like. There's, there's like a it's like a sci-fi thing. They find this robot head. And he's like holding the robot, jokingly going like, "Are you are you a robot? You gotta tell us." And I, so I start doing the the Boston accent too, because I thought he was doing a character. And I'm like, oh, oh, "I'm just right, doing right. his accent back at him." And I realize <laughs> I don't consider the Boston accent a real accent. I think it's always someone doing a character because it's right. so outlandish to me. I'm like, "Yeah, we can all just do the Boston accent now." It's like, "Yeah, you robot, come on." What you, not that that's a good one. I'm just saying I forgot that it's a real way people just talk uh, their yeah. whole life. Jack- Jack Robichaud, by the way, has never been on Probably Science. He oh, has, however, been on okay. Probably History. Oh, oh yeah, right. there it is. There the it is. The very first episode, the nice. Christmas. Uh, I forgot about episode that. of Probably. Oh history. yeah, yeah. Yep. Anyway, um, okay, <laughs> apologies, well, well, apologies well, well, to Mikey for disparaging his actual. Yeah. Well, I'll <laughs> doing his accent back at him because I thought we were doing characters. Um, yeah, okay, fair, yeah. fair. Huh. Well, that's uh, so. That's interesting. So, what? I mean, I would, I would hope that. Uh, I mean, are they just gonna let? I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know what my opinion is because I don't know if there's a long term effect. I guess if they're going off every hour, that's not gonna be good for astronomy. So, I don't know where the line should or would be. Well, poking yeah. holes and stuff's not good. Stop poking holes willy nilly. You know. I mean, unless it really isn't a permanent hole. I, I, I just don't know that part of it. Is it literally the, right. the full extent of the negative impact? Is that time where it's slightly red and then uh, an hour later nothing's changed you know i don't know if that's true or not right that's that's what i'm kind of thinking too it's like if this is a if this is just a few minutes thing doesn't i don't know yeah i I don't know if i have an opinion (laughs) we don't have all the information yeah but what are these scientists banging on about (laughs) (laughs) yeah they do need to jog Jog on jog on jog on oh well, if one of these uh, rockets in its descent stage were to land on your head, uh, you'd probably get some sort of uh, probably brain some injury, so, probably some sort of severe brain injury. And oh. unfortunately, nothing you can do about it. So, oh, that's where you're wrong. According to this story that uh, Justin Bro sent in. What are you talking about? In, yeah. In ScienceNews.org, which is a, a better website, for at least from a web design and back end point of view. But uh, this is uh, electrical brain implants, which may help patients with severe brain injuries. After deep brain stimulation, five patients scored better on an attention test. I'm going to say, though, five patients, still not great. Still not, you know, five patients. Well, we don't know out of out of what? Five out of. Yeah, uh, I mean, just I mean, it's just a small that's a small study. But for people with traumatic brain injuries, cognitive functions like memory, attention and mood regulation can become exceedingly difficult. 
but there is no therapy for this kind of problem, even though it's so preva- prevalent, according to Nicholas Schiff, who's I tell that to my wife over here. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Uh, at Cornell. Um, uh, oh no, Wild Cornell Medical College in New York City. Uh, but is that connected to Cornell University? It, yeah, the medical school for Cornell is not mm-hmm. in upstate, it's in New York. Yeah. Uh, also run by McDonald's. Very, yes. very yeah. weird. Um, <laughs> so now, in a small study of individuals who have suffered moderate to severe brain injury, five patients scored better on a test of attention and information processing after having electrodes surgically implanted into the thalamus which is an early stop for information coming in through the senses. I mean, I'd be paying more attention if I had electrodes implanted into my brain. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be playing the highest attention I've ever paid in my life. But, you know, you do you. Sure. Uh, this, this study, which is in Nature Medicine, uh, the participants and their families also reported improvements in their symptoms and daily lives after deep brain stimulation. Okay. It's pretty decent. Uh, the results suggest that direct stimulation of the thalamus can be used to treat cognitive impairment caused by traumatic brain injuries. More than 5 million people in the U.S. alone live with the effects of moderate to severe uh, traumatic brain injuries, often caused by common events like falls and car crashes. So here's how you do it if you're trying to do it at home. <laughs> uh, uh, what you do, you got to implant some electrodes into the brain, uh, power them by a pacemaker, which is used to electrically stimulate brain uh, regions, as targeted brain regions. Uh, and this technique has long been used successfully to treat other conditions like the tremors caused by Parkinson's or the seizures of epilepsy. And re- more recently, they're studying its ability to treat things like obsessive compulsive disorder, eating disorders, and deep depression. So to see if the same approach could restore cognitive function in individuals with traumatic brain injuries, Schiff and his colleagues uh, recruited six patients to undergo surgery and have the electrical uh, impl- devices implanted. Uh, the time since their injury that they did this has ranged from three years to 18 years. So, yeah, I guess people have been living with this for quite a while. Um, These researchers decided to target the central lateral nucleus of the thalamus, which is a brain region responsible for relaying information to the brain's uh, prefrontal and frontal cortexes, which handle executive function. So after a severe brain injury, you have the situation that lots of cells have been disconnected and many have died, according to Schiff. Electrically stimulating the relay center of the thalamuses might restore these lost connections. So they, um, so again, here's what you got to do if you're doing this at home. You got to program your devices <laughs> for a 12-hour on-and-off cycle and optimize them for each patient's over each of the patients over a two-week period. Uh, one patient developed a scalp infection and had the device removed. The remaining five were put to the test, uh, and the test was they were given a sheet of paper with 25 circles each containing a number from 1 to 13 or a letter from A to L. The task, called the trail-making test, is to draw a line connecting the dots in ascending order while alternating between numbers and letters. So you go 1, A, 2, B, 3, C, and so on. Um, And after receiving stimulation for at least three months, patients decreased the time it took them to connect the circles by about a third on average. One patient, for example, took about 171 seconds to complete the test before treatment, but only 89 with electrical stimulation. I just want to th- this this test. I'm just want to. I just want to check that they are not. They must have also taken patients. I hope with brain injuries or have records of them in the past and doing this test over a period of time because it's not just them getting better at the test with practice. Oh, because like you know, if every week you did this same <clears throat> yeah. join the dots test. Well, 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 later in the story, it does say that. The implants were removed on some people, and 
some refused to ha- to to allow them to remove them because they said I'm not degrading my quality of life. And on the people um, who had theirs removed, they regressed. Oh, cool. I mean, not cool, yeah. but I mean, cool from yeah. a from an imperial yeah. sorry standpoint. To, sorry to jump ahead, Matt. If we're no, the I appreciate story that. I read. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It also no, says the comments patients say were I, able to do. Come <laughs> on, what are you gonna say, Jesse? <laughs> no, no. It's just the comments say when I did this in hospital, it reminded me of an Oasis tune. That's interesting. Same guy. So patients apparently were were also better able to do other things like reading, playing video games, and watching TV. Things that previously had been made impossible or difficult or impossible by their injuries. One Mm. mother of a patient said, I got my daughter back. It's a miracle. So, all right. So the article I read about it at the end, uh, it said, uh, researchers are not sure why this works. That's so what that I was, was a it, hilarious. There's so much brain stuff is like that though. Yeah, like in, yeah. in like yeah. psychiatry, they're like like antidepressants. And they're like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not. That makes it sound like I'm all yeah. against it. I'm on antidepressants. I'm saying that they're just like we, we don't, don't know. We don't really right. know why it it does work. Uh, right. We just don't really know why. Um, it's like all right. Yeah. I mean, it it does feel very much like a sort of an idea that someone would have come up with in the 1800s. You're just like, oh, we'll zap it with this yeah. electricity that we've recently discovered and see what happens. It'd be a good job for, dare I say, neck bolts. Boom! Sixth episode <laughs> in a row. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I've been bringing up neck, uh, Frankenstein-style neck bolts on every episode. At this um, point, we need like a musical drop, a sting. Well, we do, that, we do. We? Yeah, sorry, Ryan. I, I should have. We should have told you ahead of time I'd be bringing up neck bolts. It's a neck bolt <laughs> podcast now. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, very interesting. Um, so you guys uh, feel free to injure your brains. They've got a thing now. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just get out there and do uh, it. throw away your crash helmets. Hmm. Uh, get rid of any kind of safety harnesses. People who work on building sites. We're done. We're sorted. Well, the I, I let me get let me give one uh, condition here. The the article that I read also said we're at least ten years away from it uh, being really deployed. So. God. Wait, wait a few years before you uh, start slamming your head into the street. Damn it! Right. Well, fair enough. <laughs> also, speaking of this, would you guys, if if Neuralink had been tested, like, would you guys ever sign up for Neuralink, and what conditions would be required for you to do that? Is Neuralink uh, Elon Musk's? Yeah, one? yeah, yeah. Yeah, not a fucking chance. There's no, there's <laughs> no condition in which. No. No evidence that you would see before that would no. make you. There's no. No, wait, there's nothing like if I'm I'm saying like just purely hypothetical. Like there's nothing that it, it, could it would do. have to offer for me. It would have to offer severe medical help. So like if I was ever, for instance, like um, you know, if you're like deeply suicidal or something like that, and they're like this, you know, right? This fixes that. But just if it was like this can enhance your, you'll be better at the crossword. Like fuck that. No, of course not. Well, no, that's why like I'm saying, like, I would, I would, make, I, making up a it, condition. What is a condition that would make you sign up for it? You know, it would have what, to be what, life. Or, it would have to be life or death. Is my point? Right. Nothing short of life or death. No. Okay. No, Ryan, what about you? S- same here. Yeah. Like I, this whole idea of like, oh, you can Google things inside your brain. It's like, well, I don't want that. 
That's that sounds awful. Well, right, but what if it just uh, um, again, if we're just playing like start getting targeted blue, brain blue ads, sky, like what Jesus. if it could like let you sleep the best sleep of your life whenever you want or something? Like I, I wouldn't trust. So, so yeah. the reason why I wouldn't trust that is that basically means that there's a switch that can be activated that puts you instantly to sleep. Yes. Okay, that's not one. You know, what if one is just like you are emotionally stable whenever you'd like to be or you aren't prone to anxiety or whatever things you don't like. There's, mm-hmm. there's no, basically, there's no condition short of pure life or death that would make exactly. you sign up for it. It would, ha- it, would, it would have to be to spare me from immediate death. From immediate death. Yeah. What if, so let's play hypotheticals. What if uh, we're in a world where like 75% of people have now plugged this thing in and what if those people are way more capable at everything that our economy values i mean i can tell you right now that my career would probably be doing better if i was on tiktok and i haven't done that right. <laughs> i mean there's yeah so like it's just yeah. like that's like just signing yeah. up to a website i agree so, there are, i think there are a lot of things that are probably um that most people are doing that are probably pretty bad for the world or pretty bad for you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's it's we were talking last week about that AI, the the AI conversation. And it really got me thinking, though, I mean, where you were saying that the potential demise of humans could be if it was optimized to fix, you know, is optimized with mm-hmm. goals. So many goals are and, it, and it's like, yeah, that that should have been completely obvious to me. But like so many problems with the planet are human caused that that would be AI's solution. If, yeah, if, oh yeah. If, I mean, if you plugged into AI, save the polar bears, it would get rid of humanity. Right. right, right. <laughs> so, like, um, y- you know, I yeah, well, we're, we're already sort of living in a world of like an alignment problem with the uh, the experiment of like setting up humanity. Because yeah, the, the the real goals. Were well, we're. I mean, yeah, we're the asteroid. live long enough to reproduce and reproduce, and then on the way, we found ways to hijack the markers that were going to be uh, things that pointed us towards this initial goal. Like I was saying, all those neurotransmitters and things that like we found ways to hijack those so we can get those good feelings right. without doing the things that are in the service of the, of the goal, you know? So why mm-hmm. wouldn't that same kind of thing be possible with AI that we create? You know, we have markers to check its progress yes. and it's now working to serve those markers instead of to like think, Oh wait, this is letter of the law, not spirit of the law. I should go back to spirit of the law. Like, why would it do that if it's been I, programmed? I, to- but I guess that's my argument with the Neuralink thing is, is like, yeah, it makes you more productive at, at what? At something that's good for you personally. Like it's, it's not good. You know? Well, I'm saying what, what's your definition of good? Again, I'm not saying it can or will do any of these things. I'm just like, if if we, and you know, forget the Elon Association, if someone makes something like that, who you have no association with as a person, positive or negative, and it can do X, like, is there an X that would make you go like, yeah, plug it in? I mean, for me, I could, I could definitely think of some, if, if it's like truly blue sky, but maybe those things would never would never happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Or I could think of a standard of, of quality or of, of robustness where it's been tested enough that you're like well yeah why wouldn't i do this now like mm-hmm. right i i don't think it would be 75 percent of people no i'm not saying these things will happen i was just saying if if you were in this world there's a sci-fi book now and this is happening are you the holdout are you the luddite in this world or like where would the line be where you're like fine sign me up you know like for some people it's also yeah. I, have, I have a friend who hates vr with the kind of fervor that someone might hate Neuralink. 
and just thinks this is like the decline of civilization. I'm like, I don't know. I can play ping pong with my nephew. It's kind of fun. It's like, but I'm not addicted right. to it. It's like some of these things can be fun tools and sure. You know, I guess you won't know for a long time when, when something you create will become some smartphone ask or social media ask uh, net negative on the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, uh, it, it's, it's sort of a feedback loop argument, right? Of like, we've already, almost every way we hack our brains is a negative. And now we're, we want to do literal hacking. Like it's already, right. evolution's already done it for us. We've already created this weird world because of natural brain hacking. Uh, yeah. And now we want to hack it further. And it's like this, I, I just don't see a scenario where, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't know, man. We're like, a, it's like a very embarrassing species to be a part of, man. Yeah, I mean, except I, I sort of think this is probably what would have happened with any intelligence as it matured anywhere in the universe. Like, if if you want things, if you want to get things done as a species, you're going to make tools to help you get those things done. Why would there be a point when you stop improving those tools? You you would never stop voluntarily until it became clear the next at, improvement at the, the behest, tool kills you. At the behest you. of what, though? At the behest of every other creature, or at the because we're I mean we're doing that. What do you mean? Well, like, yeah, we keep we keep trying to improve our. We're causing a mass extinction, and it's like some of it is for shit that is just luxury. Where it's like, oh, well, fuck off, then. It's not. It's not survival, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, we're already it's past the like, point of like we have the resources to keep everyone alive, so now we're already past that point and living in this world of like creating yeah. additional wants and also just not distributing the goods that we have. If we just wanted to keep everyone alive, we can easily do that right now if we all sure to, sure so. but like i don't i don't want all the species to go extinct i don't want that i know humanity right. would go on but like but fuck that like i don't want that so yeah. i mean do i do i have to not have that latest convenience like that's fine that's fine with me it's fine yeah and you know if we get to a point when we see the next improvement in the tools is going to be this huge net negative maybe we can all step back from it but i'm just wondering yeah. how that would how that would happen how that collective uh decision-making would, would I tell you would life, life should never have left the water and luckily it's never happened since. So, <laughs> so wait, is this a uh, leading into a story? I'm just saying, you know, life never should have climbed out of the water and it's never happened since. It's all I'm saying. Oh, I wasn't looking at the uh, show notes. Uh, okay. Ah, it's, yes. This is a story <laughs> that met, not the story that met even sent in by so. any chance about a tree drilling, a, tr a tree dwelling shrimp. On the website IFL Science, just which, zero pushback on my segue. You guys, you know the <laughs> system. Amazing. You know I know the system. Jesse, uh, I, I beg to differ. Uh, <laughs> I beg to differ. I don't know if you've seen uh, a little website called IFL. Again, listeners, if you could let us know what those three letters. We're never IFL know. Science. We're never going to know. know. Uh, I, actually, Jesse, you might be surprised. Your your opinion <laughs> might be about to change when it comes to. Uh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what's going on? What's going on there, Andy? I'll, I'm going I'm to uh, tee this up for Matt and go. Okay, so an entirely new genus of shrimp was discovered during an expedition expedition to the the Cyclops Mountain. So this is a by the way, there's just a lot going on in this in this title. Yeah, a tree dwelling yeah. shrimp has been discovered in the Cyclops Mountains. Every part of that sounds like a mistranslation of some of Latin, Homer, like some Roman yeah. mythology or something. Uh, Odysseus. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this is like something you have to defeat before you can fall in love. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. So, uh, the, these the Cyclops Mountains are in uh, 
Papua, Indonesia. Uh, Indonesia. It was a surprise for scientists on the perilous 2023 expedition and introduces a whole new habitat for these typically water-dwelling crustaceans. Uh, the expedition was one for the history books, reimagining a species that was thought to have been extinct since the 60s. Reanimating uh, a species. Oh, sorry. Yeah, my, my apologies. The, this is the Atabra's long-beaked echidna. Uh, Zaglossus atomborgi. Uh, this is uh, <laughs> named after David Attenborough, unsurprisingly. Um, It'd be but, cool uh, if it was named after Richard Attenborough, like just Jurassic Park. <laughs> just huge Jurassic Park fans. It was uh, <laughs> it was originally called Beaky McBeakface. Yeah. Which, uh, <laughs> by the way, that is what, but uh, I don't know if you know that, that the Boaty McBeakface actually did end up being called the, the David Attenborough. Oh, I see. Uh, mm. But... That's 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 that joke explained to the point of humorlessness. So yeah, we're doing a, we're not, doing a lot of behind the curtain today. We've uh, yeah. we've broken down the segways. Wow! All right. So this monitor uh, made surprise experience uh, appearances on camera traps left in the Cyclops Mountain. Uh, I'm not joking. Uh, said the expedition lead uh, James Kempton of Oxford University. Uh, I'm not joking when I say it came down to the very last SD card that we looked at from the very last camera we collected on the last day of the expedition. But while the whole world was reeling from the reunion, another arguably more obscure discovery went a little bit more under the radar. Because on the same expedition, the team discovered a new genus of ground and tree-dwelling dwe shrimp. Tree shrimp. Yeah. So, um, th th there's a lot of... There's a lot of editorializing and color in this article that I'm just jumping over. Yeah. Uh, the comments say, sounds like a pulp tune. Get fucked. <laughs> well, I don't know. Matt, I fucking love it. I fucking love the science on this page. And I wish somebody would acknowledge that. Yeah, yeah no, I, I fucking love it too. Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, on I, this you proper know, science I, I page. I fucking yeah. love it, but yeah. yeah. Um, we should write into IFL science, or whatever it stands for, and tell them yeah. that how much we, we fucking love their work. But um, we were quite shocked to discover this shrimp in the heart of the forest because it's a remarkable departure from the typical seaside habitat for these animals, said the lead entomologist for the expedition. Uh, oh, here we go. Big run up to this one. Dr. Leonidas Romanos Davranog, uh, Davranoglu. There we go. That's that's as close as I'm getting. Very good. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Very uh, good. We believe that the high level of rainfall in the Cyclops Mountain means the humidity is great enough for these creatures to live entirely on land. So a standard shrimp wow. breathes using gills to extract oxygen from the water, like fish do, uh, and depending on the species, will live in either marine or freshwater environments. To be thriving so far in land must mean that this new genus has adapted a way to breathe without being fully submerged in water, perhaps aided by rainfall or humidity. So uh, Dr. Leonidas Romanos Davranoglu discovers a shrimp in the Cyclops Mountains is the most like Wes Anderson shit yes. I've, ever, <laughs> I've ever heard in my yeah. life. <laughs> Yeah, but it should go up. <laughs> this is is Jeff Goldblum playing this guy? Huh? Did, did I miss it, or was he lo looking for something else? They the, were looking for something. Or I guess. Oh, okay, okay, okay. The Attenborough yeah. Echidna, right? It oh, says. Right, right, right. It says also this whole expedition was pretty unpleasant and perilous. They faced earthquakes. Uh, which caused them to evacuate cave systems, uh, came across a load of venomous snakes and spiders. Several of the team suffered in illness and injury. Uh, Davranoglo's arm was broken in two places. Oh, that's even more Wes Anderson if he's got yes. like, his arm in a sling. Yep. Davranoglo's uh, conclusion, not worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to find yeah, the so they... Well, 
They another are... team got another team member got malaria, and a third had a leech stuck to their eye for a day. Jesus, uh, for a day and a half before a hospital team could remove it. So a wildlife camera caught this echidna. Is yeah, how this, I just this, want this is yeah, like a I'm movie. Sorry, I just need. I know, and I just want this acknowledged as well that one of the members of the team nearly lost a, an eye on the Cyclops Mountain. This is uh, just two on the nose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, unreal. So they had wildlife cams set up on this Cyclops Mountain. They saw an echidna that they thought had been extinct since 1961. Uh, and there was only in 1961, there was just one museum specimen. That was the only physical proof the species existed at all. So they caught it in a wildlife cam and they're like, we need to go out and find this thing. And then they go up there and it's a fucking red lobster in the trees. <clears throat> and they, uh, so th that's the real story. Unreal. Yeah. They, Nothing they, about the taste either. Yeah. Right? How, yeah. how big are these? Did it say if they're really tiny? I'm picturing them being tiny. Yeah. And it doesn't say whether they're bottomless. <laughs> like how many, <laughs> how many of these shrimp do you get? How many? Would they lose eleven million dollars? Do you guys hear that? What? Red, so Red Lobster had its like endless shrimp thing last uh -huh. month, and they they uh, they lost like eleven million dollars. People just showed up and ate so much fucking shrimp because they're they're always like once they're in they'll get the cheddar bay biscuits. You know they make it worth sure, it. Yeah, yeah. But it was uh, people were like. Coming in just with Ziploc bags to stuff full of shrimp. They lost, oh, yeah, they lost millions oh, of dollars. Just the idea of stuffing yourself on shrimp, too. It's already, like, kind of a gross, you know, like, it's a little like a spider of the sea. And then you're you're just, like, trying to get yourself to the point of you physically can't fit yeah. anymore down your gullet of this <laughs> spider guts that have been fried up. Yeah, that's like, why it's sold in those spider of the sea cans. Yeah. <laughs> spider <laughs> of the sea. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, there's a, there's anything a, that's all you can eat. Has that ever been a good idea? It's has, really, I, I used to love it though. Like they just reopened this buffet in Yucca Valley here. Mm -hmm. I live out in the desert now, Ryan. And um, I, I drove by the other day and I was like, I don't remember what it felt like to like those places. I used to in college, like, yeah, let's go fucking eat until we're going to throw up. And I'm like, I'm never going to go to this. I'm never going to do all you can eat probably in my life again. Like I can't imagine an emotional state where I'm going to want that. Well, you, but, you just cross this point where when you go to an all you can eat, you don't actually do all you can eat. You mm -hmm. just, you know, you're like, I've, that's enough. And you respectfully leave because I'll go to an all you can eat buffet, but I do not. I don't binge eat at the all you can eat. How do you not? What? <laughs> Once you're in the door, it's like, now it's a competition. <laughs> I don't eat it. It's about, yeah, it's about lessening their. Yeah. You're leaving money margin. on the table if you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's why I only eat high value items. Uh, right. No I, rolls, no rolls. No, in yeah. no, it's a that's a trap. Uh, but I, I hate my <laughs> my sister in law likes going to them, and uh, so occasionally I, I I end up going, and yeah, I just I don't eat much at all because most of the food's not good at oh, all. Right, of course, right. it's terrible food. So yeah, yeah it should I should be called like all you can stomach. Yeah, would <laughs> <laughs> be like a different. I mean, technically, change so it much, would change yeah. the vibe. Yeah, it would change the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just I uh, I grew up with a very buffet friendly dad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there were a lot of buffets and cafeteria friendly. We we were always going to a cafeteria. I like a cafeteria. Yeah. You know, getting my little yeah. uh, champagne glass full of cubed jello at the end. Oh, Ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, someone just knocked on my 
door. This is interesting. Hold on a second. Um, that doesn't happen in the desert. No pause. Way. One second, guys. Spirit back. Yeah, okay. Hold on. Off he goes. Hmm. You should probably leave it unmuted in case something happens. Jesse, where did you grow up that you were going to cafeterias? Uh, the South. I grew up in um, North Carolina until I was... A, uh, yeah, that was I was going to guess was North 11. Carolina. So, K&W? Uh, a lot of K&W, a lot yeah. of J&M, and then yeah. Nashville, uh, Nashville after that. And then, you know, I was in Seattle for years and LA for years, and now I'm back in Nashville mm-hmm. uh, for hopefully just a little while longer. Yeah, yeah. And then back out, back out west, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get back you. out there. I had a, There's too much fresh water here. I don't like it. <laughs> I need to get back out to California. <laughs> I don't like all the abundance of fresh water. I, ugh, no thanks. Oh, man. Yeah. Matt, where do you live? Where uh, do you live out there? Sorry. Uh, Mount Washington. Where's that? It's like uh, between Highland Park and Eagle Rock. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you got me thinking about K&W now. That was the that was the place that we go with my grandparents and uh, and and parents. But my parents still go back go when they when they visit family down there. They always it's like just because they've been going for sixty years, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what were you about to ask? That was the whole thing. I was just like, what what uh, oh. was it K and W that you go to? Well, you're about to ask Matt something, presumably about cafeterias. Oh, have he's been to like like this type of like southern cafeteria style thing where it's like chicken and dumplings and watermelon and jello and and chicken parm. I think and- so. Yeah, it's like all you you get a tray. It's like it's like the lunch line at school, but like for yeah. grown-ups. Yep. And more options. I mean, I've been to restaurant I've been to restaurants like that, but the specific cuisine that you're describing, I don't think so. Mhm. Chicken and dumplings. But yeah, I mean that I mean there's that kind of thing all over Britain and like particularly there's a lot of that, like most way service stations are like that, where it's just out like a school canteen where there's, you know, five, three main course options and oh wow. like three sides or whatever. And you take your tray down the line. So, yeah, it is, mm-hmm. yeah. that's not an alien concept. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of my favorite things as a kid was chicken and dumplings, but I'm uh, I'm a been a vegetarian since I was 13. So Cracker Barrel, you can get just the dumplings. So I still am. Can a I just check barrel. that you're saying dumplings without a G? Yep, <laughs> there's Correct. no G in that word. <laughs> no, because it's different than dumplings, and there's a lot of confusion. Sometimes people will first go to like a soul food restaurant, and they'll get, they'll think they're getting dumplings, and then they get all mad. And I gotta explain. No, these are just, uh, this is just balls of doughy bullshit. Is what this is. It's oh, delicious. it's like gnocchi kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah, but it's like biscuit dough, cornbread, or not uh, cornbread, but like um, buttermilk biscuit, buttermilk biscuit pancake. It's all the same dough. So anyway, Cracker Barrel, you can get yourself just the dumplings, and uh, so I will still. They still receive my patronage. <laughs> anyway, that's a pretty exciting story. I <laughs> um, feel like I just crushed it. I love it. Probably science. So someone um, knocked on my door. This never happens. This is I am in the middle of nowhere and uh, had to give a guy a Phillips head screwdriver because he's trying to um, disassemble some furniture. I guess someone bought the house across the street because they're taking out the furniture that was in there to stage it for sale. So hopefully I'm gonna have a neighbor soon or just tons of Airbnbers across the street. We'll see. Yeah, just a you just had a standard neighbor that screwed down their furniture. Totally normal. <laughs> <laughs> This is a totally normal situation. Yep. <laughs> yep. 
Well, we should we should wrap up the main story and uh, the main story, the main episode, and maybe save save a story for our Patreon patrons. But um, Ryan, where can our listeners find you and your book? Well, uh, you can get get the book on Amazon uh, and find me. Uh, I, I guess Instagram. I'm not really very active on social media, but that's probably the best best bet and uh check my uh schedule on ryanconnorcomedy.com for uh, uh tour dates or road dates let's not overuse the word tour there <laughs> <laughs> people get pretty uh fast and loose with the with tour don't they yeah, yeah yeah tour i'm in uh santa monica and then the next week i'm in van nuys <laughs> summer tour 2024 you can find us as always probably science.com is the website where we also post our links to our stories that we've covered and also our patreon and paypal links uh you can find us on twitter at probably science individually at andy t wood at jesse case and at matt Kirshen. and if you have any questions comments clarifications or stories you would like us to cover you can or email any, us. any actors actresses you've seen on spaceships absolutely <laughs> yep any of those as well you can email us probably science at gmail.com so drop us a line with any of those yeah keep, keep those spats coming and uh, Ryan, we thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And if everyone you sign go up, and read the party. Everyone read the party. And if you sign up for the Patreon, um, we're going to be back with Ryan uh, here on the over on the Patreon channel for another two hours. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Two hour bonus up coming up. <laughs> yeah, thanks for committing to that, Ryan. Uh, yeah, thanks for yeah, reading yeah. the whole email and committing to that. Uh, and, uh, I'll just pee in this glass next to me. <laughs> yep, here we go. Two hours with Ryan. Here we go. <laughs> Listeners, uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.